0: If you will, that we as the adult Christians, we as the mature Christians, we as the ones that the young ones are looking up to, had best be not just telling them what to do, but had best be truly living it out for them. There's so many things in the Christian life that we say to young people and to teens and to children in Sunday school or in passing. Or even in our homes that we say, they almost become cliche in a way uh, because we say them so often. And if we don't evaluate from time to time and look at ourselves, they become merely that. They do become a cliche that we don't live out. We talked uh, the, the second week, uh, Wednesday night that we were together, we talked about prayer. Prayer being one of those things that is very much that way that we spend, we, we spend a lot of time talking about prayer, we talk about the power of prayer, we talk about um, how they need to pray, how they need to have lives of prayer, but then we wonder why they never develop them often is because they don't really ever see us pray. So many times when we talk about prayer, uh, it's something we do in private, and we understand that the Scriptures talk about that, not doing it as the publicans do to be seen, but there's a difference between Doing that to be seen and doing that and being seen. You know, we should have it in our homes. Fathers, our children should see us pray. They should hear us pray. And I'm not even talking about the moments where we sit down as a family and have family devotion. I'm talking about when the kids are running through the house and they come in the door and and they hear daddy praying for them. They hear mama praying for them. Last, week, last month we were together, we talked about the idea of the Word of God. Um, don't worry, there's no surveys tonight. If you were here last Wednesday, uh, last month, there, there's no surveys. I wonder though, as a quick question, not, not an answer maybe for you to think about, I wonder if you still have the survey. I wonder if in one month's time, not because of me, but because the Lord has anything changed. Tonight we come to a subject that in the many years that, that uh, my wife and I have been able to work with teenagers, not just here at this church, but also the church that we attended to and was able to help in the church, this is a topic that we talk to teenagers probably more than any other concerning God that we talk about. But that when we, when we see the, the adults of a Christian life, they don't necessarily live for out for themselves. And that topic is knowing and doing the will of God knowing and doing the will of God. At face value, at first glance, that sounds like something simple. That sounds like something that, well, that that's basic, isn't it? And you would think it is. But yet, when I listen to so many Christians, adults and and uh, fathers and mothers and, and spouses who are trying to make decisions in life, who are talking about jobs, who are talking about houses, who are talking about opportunities, they talk about it, and they never seem to reference about the fact of, whether it's the will of God, it's always, is this a smart financial deal? Is this the right for, for our family? Is this the right time? Is this the right house? Is this the right place? But it's rarely ever mentioned or talked about, well, we don't matter about all those things. We just want to know that it's the will of God for our lives. The other thing that I, that I see that often happens is if it is talked about, it's always talked that the will of God has always seemed to be talked. As something that is always the big milestone decisions in life, and that's what the will of God is. For example, we have a, a graduating senior this year in our, in our youth group, and no doubt there's someone in the church or someone in her life who has come to her and said, well, what do you believe the will of God is for you when you graduate? Isn't that what we do with, with graduates? What's the will of God for you? We begin even at, a, at an age. What do you think, uh, we would say, what do you want to do with the rest of your life, or Hopefully, at the very least, you would look at them and say, well, what do you think the Lord wants you to do with your life? And then we start putting on them this burden of the fact that an occupation or a job is the will of God, and that's the way we talk about it. That's the way we approach it. We approach life as if the job that we do is the will of God, and that's where it ends. But when we look at the Scriptures I think we'll see something completely different and we need to change our mindset, our outlook, our perspective on the will of God and we need to stop having a big idea or big decision view of the will of God and we need to start having a view of God as something that God shows it is biblically that it's an everyday thing. The will of God is not what job or what next milestone am I going to accomplish or next phase or next big financial decision, the will of God for you today was to come to church. The will of God in the morning is for you to get up, read your Bible, go to work, pray, spend time with God, spend time with your family, make much of God, witness, glorify God in your speech, glorify God in your walk, glorify God in everything you do, And as we do those things, and we'll see this in a a few moments from the scriptures, as we go about doing all those little things, those big decisions are no longer big. They're directed by God. And the problem is, is we want the will of God, but we so often leave God out of the will of God. It's interesting to me that our biggest difficulty is not that we don't know the will of God or knowing the will of God, Our biggest difficulty comes from the fact that we can know his will, we just don't always want to do it. George Washington said this, he said, the whole duty of man is summed up in obedience to God's will. Oswald Chambers, the great preacher, if you've ever read any of his material, it's fantastic. It'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you. He said, God's will is hard, only When it comes up against our stubbornness. Amen to that. My wife will be the first one to tell you I'm a stubborn person. But the truth is is that when it comes to the will of God, we're all stubborn. Because the truth is, is that we want our way. And we look at the will of God like, here, let me get God's rubber stamp of approval on what we want in our lives. We want a house A certain house and we say oh well let me see if the finances fit and if all the finances come along then God must be it's the will of God that's not the way the will of God works that's not what the Bible says the will of God is so as we come to this passage in Romans chapter 12 we see here I even have had young people ask me this question can we even know what the will of God is well the Bible tells us here In Romans chapter 12, that not only can we know it, but we can do it. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, notice this, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect Will of God. Now, that that word prove there means to examine or to know or to discern. It's kind of like, if you will, uh, the dreaded class that most people hate, geometry. And geometry, most people hate it because you have to do something that was called a proof, right? Uh, proofs, Proofs are when you try to prove out the theory or the theorem and show that it works. Well, God is literally saying here in this text, He's saying here that we might be able to prove, to show forth, to discern, to know God's good, acceptable, perfect will. And the way that we do that, the the means by which that can be done is through the renewing of our mind. We'll come back to that in just a few moments, but I'd like to just show you some principles from the Scripture Three simple things when it comes to the will of God. How you can know it and do it with three simple principles. Now, uh, I like acrostics when it comes to some things. You know, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Bible, basic instruction before leaving earth. So I've tried to make this real simple for us. The acrostic is MAP. M-A-P. MAP. How are we going to know the will of God? Well, we follow the map. So let's follow the map. M. Number one. Make what you know to be God's will a matter of emphasis. Make what you know to be God's will a matter of emphasis. The college that I went to, the church that I was a member of for many years, the pastor had a quote uh, among many, many quotes. But one of the quotes that he's known for is, you reap a harvest where you place an emphasis. If we as Christians will begin to place an emphasis on God's will, and doing God's will, then God's will will be a matter of emphasis in our lives. Make what you know to be God's will a matter of emphasis. And some people say, well, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, read your Bible. It's clear. God has made a few things very clear in the scriptures about his will. Can we look at a few of them together? Do you mind? Second Peter chapter number 3, if you'll take their Bible there. Second Peter chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 9, God is very clear about his will. God's will for your life is that you should be saved. That's God's will. So how do you know that? Well, 2 Peter chapter number uh, number 3, verse number 9 says this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Can I say praise the Lord for God's long-sufferingness towards us? We don't deserve it. But look at what the Bible says here. God, the Lord, if we could uh, take the commas and read it for help of understanding's sake, it would say, uh, going back to the Lord, because it's who, who the person that we're speaking of, is not willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, if he's not willing that any should perish, then he is willing that all should come to repentance. So God's will for your life, first and foremost, before anything else is done, is that you would be saved. Uh, I, I don't hate to say this, but I'm proud to proclaim this. If anyone here necessarily believes in the doctrine of predestination, of the fact of the predestination from the fact point that God has only chosen a few to be saved, this verse right here directly refutes and disagrees with that doctrine. Because it says that God's will is that all would be saved. I'm going to try not to get off on this for just a few moments, but we might as well, hadn't we? You know what? God is not the one who's limiting who he chose to to save. It's man who's chosen to limit. And so we have here the very verse that God says, I'm not willing that any should perish. And we say, well, it just wasn't God's will to choose some. Wait a minute, that goes in direct conflict with this verse right here. So either First Peter is lying, or your doctrine is wrong somewhere else. And so it's clear in the scriptures right here, first and foremost, praise God, there's no one too far from God that he cannot and will not save. Isn't it great to know that as far as you've been or gone, that if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want to tell you right now, today, on May the 3rd, 2023, God is still standing with arms wide open, saying, I will accept all who will come to me in repentance. He has not changed. He is incapable of change. Meaning his attributes, his character will not change. And he still loves us. And he still loves the people out on the street who when we walk by, we have disgust and we have shame and we have vitriol to and we don't want to look at and we don't want to talk to. We don't want to be near. God help us as Christians to remember that God's will for their life is that they would be saved. And it might be our, his will for our life to be the person that plants the seed. God's will for our life, clear in the scriptures, number one, under make no uh, make what you know to be God's will a matter of emphasis, is that you would be saved. If I'm going to make this a matter of emphasis, I better talk about salvation. I better make salvation something big. I better be thankful for salvation. We'll talk about that in just a moment. We had best make much of salvation. You reap a harvest where you place an emphasis. It's about time that the Christian church... Quit talking about being entertained, being comforted, being, being all these things. It's time that the church starts making an emphasis back on salvation. And I'm not talking about just the fact that it's time for the church to be talking about other people getting saved. It's time that we, the church, start making an emphasis on that glorious, blessed day when we came to know Christ as our Savior. Because the powerfulest tool that we have is our personal testimony. I guarantee you, if you, you, you took the time and you asked Brother Cyrus, Brother Cyrus, will you stop and tell me your testimony? He may not, because he might get too emotional to get through it. But he's going to be blessed by Abby and asked. Husbands, when was the last time you were driving down the road in your car and you looked over your wife and said, tell me your testimony again? When was the last time you, you, you tilted the rearview mirror just a little bit to look back at the kids and say, Kids, hush up in the back. Quit listening to Veggie Tales for just a second. I want you to hear my testimony. It's time that we as Christian church starts making known our testimony again because it's God's will that, that no one should perish but that all should come to repentance. Let's make it a matter of emphasis. Second off... The other things that we see, if you will, 1 Thessalonians, would you go with me? 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5. It does not get clearer in the scriptures than this. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5, verse number 18. The Word of God says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God, In Christ Jesus concerning you. Well, I don't know what the will of God is. I'm sorry, you no longer can say that. You now know what the will of God is. It's clear in the scriptures. God says that in everything, we are to give thanks. And that's not an easy thing. This here is the will of God. No one ever said that doing the will of God would be easy. Knowing the will of God is. Doing the will of God has to be a matter of dying to self. The will of God was that Adam and Eve wouldn't eat of the the tree in the center of the garden but they would not submit themselves to the will of God. We are sinners because at some point at some time in some way we have all chosen to not go along with the will of God and we have sinned against that God. God says here in everything give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you. It's clear. We should be thankful people. The Christian church, the church that is the true church, had be, best be the most thankful, most grateful, most thanksgiving people that there is. You know where I'm going though, don't you? Why is it that the American church today seems like the most ungrateful, most bickering and complaining people there are? Because we've stepped away from the will of God. Look around us, Gateway. We've got a lot to be thankful for. And sure, we will thank God for this building. And we'll thank God for the new property. And we're happy to thank God for what he's doing. Until it maybe means a little bit of uncomfortableness. Somebody took my seat on Sunday. Well, praise the Lord somebody took your seat. Guess what that means? They probably didn't have a seat for their own. I walked in and I just couldn't find a seat. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's thank God for it. The parking lot was full. We ain't there yet, but we're getting there. Them kids, I tell you what, every time them kids are around, they just make a mess. Okay, let's take care of that problem. Get rid of all the kids in the church. Not a second. All of you are like, no, 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 not that. Well, when you're saying something about the mess, guess what you're saying? The Bible says in Proverbs, Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the way of the ox. In other words, if you're going to have the work that the ox does, you're going to have the mess that comes along with it. Can I, can I make an application? If you're going to see young people saved, called to the ministry, given their lives to God, changed, and leading forth the next generation for the cause of Christ, well, at some times, they're going to act like kids. They're going to make mess like kids. They're going to be problems like kids. And instead of fussing and complaining and bickering about it, you know what we best do? Thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to make an impact in those kids' lives. Help us to live our lives thankful for them. Maybe then they'll be thankful for us. I wonder why we have a generation of 20 and 30 year old people my age and just a little younger who seem like the most ungrateful, most, most uh, entitled generation. And no offense, if you're older than me, I've, I've heard it 150,000 times. Well, your generation just ain't thankful. They don't know how to, well, where did we learn it? I'm sorry. We always want to pass the buck, don't we? We always want to push it off. Now, I may not be talking to you. You might be a thankful person. But we had to get it from somewhere. We had to get it from somewhere. This is what I'm talking about. Don't do what I I just say and tell you to do, but I do something different. No, no, no do as I do, look at me as an example, not because I want to be seen, but because God's commanded me to do it. And so let me show you what it is to be thankful. Moms and dad, when was the last time your kids heard you say, I'm thankful for Pastor Josh Farmer? When was the last time, moms, that your little daughter heard you say, I'm thankful for Miss Kelly Farmer, our pastor's wife? When was the last time they heard you say, I'm thankful for my Sunday school teacher? Maybe they need to learn how to be thankful for their Sunday school teacher by watching you be thankful for your Sunday school teacher. You say, you're going too far, Brother John. You just don't understand. You don't get it. No, no, I understand real clear. Right here in the Bible, there's no question about it. In everything, give thanks. I don't care if my voice cracks tonight. Let's just preach a little bit, all right? I'll just sound like Brother Zach. I love him. I'll sound like you. That's what I said. (coughs) Amen. Amen. And the thing is, is that we look at scriptures like this and we go, okay, I know I need to give thanks in everything, but it sure is hard to thank God when storms come up. It's hard to thank God when financial trouble comes. It's hard to thank God when the storms of life and the difficulties of life are just a little too much to bear. Why would God be so... Focused on him that he would say to give thanks. Because the truth is, is that when we live a life of gratitude, then our mind, our point of view is like this. In the storm, we're not able to look at the storm around it. Why? Because we're focused on him. In the troubles and the difficulties, we're not focused on the trouble and difficulties. Why? Because we're like this. Instead of walking around with a mirror, oh, it's my... How do I look in this storm? How's it affecting me? How's it dealing to me? We were reminded about this just recently. When my wife and I got married, we spent four years at the beginning of our, our marriage. And uh, for the first year or so, we weren't trying to have kids, but we started to try to have kids and things like that. And we spent four years. The Lord had not allowed us to have kids. We went through medical uh, procedures, and we dealt with this. and. And it really affected my wife very much. I mean, you could ask her her testimony about it. Is she got to the place where she started to question God, and, and it began to focus and weigh and deal on her life of, of well, there's something wrong with me. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing for my husband what we should. Uh, and it just really just put her into a place of depression. We had gone through three treatments, three rounds of treatments, and the last, she's like, "I just cannot handle this up and down emotional game." Of well, maybe this is the time, and uh, we were taking some shots. And I said, "Well, let's just take this because we've already we already haven't we prayed for it, and God gave us Ansley." And yes, my daughter is the most unique young girl I have ever met in my life, but I praise the Lord for her. You say, why? Well, it was hard to thank God for those times. Yes, it was, but looking back and I say this, I give thanks and should have gave thanks more because guess what, we have people in our church who are dealing with the same situation right now and God has allowed us to be a blessing to them because of something we've gone through and if we could have learned just a little bit better to be thankful in the situation, maybe we could help them that much more. We're too worried about ourselves To even give consideration to the will of God half the time. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Look back a verse. Or back a chapter. Make make what you know to be the will of God a matter of emphasis. God's will for your life is that you would be saved. God's will for your life is that you would be thankful in all things. God's will for your life is that you would live a holy set apart life. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Verse number 3, the Bible says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all and such. As we have warned you and testified for God hath not called us unto uncleanness but unto holiness it's time again that the church starts making much about salvation starts being thankful and it is a time that we return to holiness why because it is God's will for our lives we wonder why why we why these young people are having a hard time finding the will of God and knowing the will of God it's because we don't make much about living a holy life Oh sure, we'll point our finger at them and say, you better be pure, you better be holy, you better be sanctified. And they look at us and we're out here laughing at the wickedest stuff on TV, laughing at the wickedest jokes, listening to music in our car that they go, wait a minute, there's nothing holy or pure about it. No wonder they're not living holy lives. They're not watching us do it. And God says, this is my will for you. Be sanctified. That isn't a blessing to know that the sanctification, (coughs) excuse me, is not all up to us. God will do the work. Can Can I remind you? Look throughout all of scripture. Start at salvation. God will do the work. Sanctification. God will do the work. He has never, ever left us to where he expects us to do the work other than with his enabling. Another thing here, 1 Peter 2, verses 13 and 15, we go there for sake of time, we'll, we'll move along. God's will for your life is to follow reasonable and appropriate laws. So that speed limit, which is reasonable most of the time, but it is appropriate, we had followed it. You know, it's been a long time. I always used to listen to the preachers who would stand up and say, you need to listen to the, the, you need to obey the speed limit and think, is this really, is this guy really going there? Mark it down. I'm becoming that guy. (laughs) Why? Because it's the will of God. In 1 Peter chapter number 2, right in there in 13 and 15, he literally says that by doing this, you show forth the will of God. Like, this is the will of God. Why? Because then it makes us blameless. We're blameless before man, before the the laws and things. And the, the speed limit is one of those things that I know. It's a touchy subject. What can we say? One last one of these things that we know to be the will of God. And by the way, this is not an exhaustive list. This is a launching fourth point. You could spend a lifetime probably going through the scriptures, finding things that are clearly the will of God. Ephesians chapter 5, if you will, with me. Ephesians chapter number 5. You all be thankful with my wife. She's probably not going to have to listen to me talk tomorrow. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 15. The Bible says this. Seeing then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine, where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You know what we find to be the will of God in this this passage right here? That we would live and walk a Spirit-filled life. Notice the passage here. The Bible says seeing that you walk circumspectly. That word circumspectly means with precision, with accuracy, with intention. In other words, the places I go, I go there for a reason. The things that I do, I do them on purpose. The words I choose to speak, I don't just let them fly out of my mouth. And so he's saying here that we should be circumspectly, not as fools, but as what? Wise. The wise man is a circumspect man, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Verse 17, look at this. Wherefore, be ye not unwise. Well, we just learned what a wise person was, right? A person who intentionally goes about their lives doing specific things. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Okay, well, I want to be a wise person. So he's saying here, a wise person walks circumspectly. And a wise person understands what the will of the Lord is. Notice the very next first word of verse number 18. What is it? And. Well, let's go back to English class. It's a connection of thought, right? Well, if I'm going to know what the will of the Lord is, and, he's telling me. He's connecting the thought. And. Be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. If you want to be a wise person, you want to know the will of God, walk in the Spirit. Walk a Spirit-filled life. You know, we have allowed the charismatic movement side of Christianity to take away this idea of living a Spirit-filled life. We have, because we're afraid of what it might actually look like. We're we're afraid that it might be, excuse me for a moment and hear what I'm saying, please. We're afraid it might be a little closer to what they've got going on than what we think. And we're afraid of that. Am I saying that's right? Please understand, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is, you ever seen somebody who just seems like, man, when they talk, it's like the Holy Spirit's hand is on them? That whatever they touch, God's blessed. I'm talking about truly God's blessed. Not just prosperous, but God has blessed. You ever met that person, they walk through the doors, and they're happy about life and Christianity, and they can only talk about God and the things of God? It's time that we stop walking around with frowns on our faces, and it's time we start learning what it means to be spirit-filled Christians. Christians who are happy, thankful, glad to be saved. So the first point here, and if you will, and for sake of time, again, make what you know to be God's will a matter of emphasis. It's time we start emphasizing what we know to be God's will. Psalm 119, 105 gives us a perfect principle that we can follow. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is very basic. I literally teach this to to kids in children's church. So please do not feel that I'm talking down to you I'm sure you all know this, but I would not be my due diligence if I did not stand up here and preach this principle right here. If you had a flashlight in your hand, if I had a flashlight in my hand and I turned all these lights out, and I asked Brother Zach to come up here and make an obstacle course out of the chairs and the, 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 all these things on the platform, and we turned the lights off and it was dark. If I try to navigate that, there's no doubt I'm going to bump into something, right? Well, that's life. There's turns and there's curves and there's obstacles and there's things in the way, all the way around. If I take the light, now this is a short distance, but if I take the light and I shine it all the way on the other side of that platform, I'm going to get some understanding of the way to go. But if my focus is 5, 10, that decision down the road, guess what's going to happen? The thing right here in front of me is going to trip me up. So why does the Bible then say, and it's clear, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Here's why. Flashlight. Use your imagination, okay? Can you do that for me? Thank you. Flashlight on my feet. Where's the flashlight still at? Right on my feet. But it's a light unto my path. So if it takes me this way, the light's still on my feet. What's the principle there? Do what you know to be the will of God today. And ten years from now, if the light has been shining in God's will all along the way, when you get over here, he'll make his will known. Light given, light obeyed, equals more light given. In other words, if you want to know God's will five years from now for you, do what you know to be God's will today. He'll show it to you. We're so worried, we've started programming these teenagers and these young people to be worried about the will of God five years from now that we're not emphasizing God's will today for their lives. They'll never know it. No wonder they're confused. Because they get there and they go, what? How did I get here? Or they stumble. Or they fall off the way because we haven't made much of the emphasis of God's will today. M. Make what you know to be God's will a matter of emphasis. A, acknowledge God in all your ways. Remember, we're spelling map here. M-A-P. We're almost done, I promise. That was the long one. Acknowledge God in all your ways. I love the verse that I'm about to turn to. You guys could quote it. Proverbs chapter number 3, verse 5 and 6. Would you take your Bibles with me and turn there with me? There's been many a young person that's been helped by these verses. There's been many adult that's been helped by these verses. But isn't it interesting that sometimes the verses that help us most are the ones we tend to forget the quickest? Let me repeat that. Isn't it interesting that the verses that help us the most are sometimes the ones we forget the quickest? Proverbs chapter number 3, verses 5 and 6. Another principle we find here Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy what? Paths. Sure does sound an awful lot like the will of God, right? Thy path. How am I going to know God's will, the path he wants me to lead on? It's right there. It's in the scriptures problem is is it's really tough sometimes for us to acknowledge him and it's even tougher sometimes not to lean into our own understanding we want to figure it out we want to have our reasoning we want to see our, our view of it like we have some divine view somewhere of things we don't have divine views we've got a wicked sinner's heart view of things it's corrupt it's been corrupted until glory it will always be corrupt but we have someone who has that divine perspective. Acknowledge God. The word acknowledge here, it means more than just the, understand, the, the just to say, okay, God, I acknowledge you. The word acknowledge here gives the understanding of the context that we are to recognize God in the way of calling out his name. In, in other words, if I could, to use a really simple illustration, I don't know if you you have multiple kids, and thank, thank the Lord our kids are not there yet, but I can remember being a kid with a teenager with my brother and my sister, mainly my sister because my brother is six years older than me, and we were walking out the car. Shotgun! Sorry if I startled you. Shotgun! What were you doing? You were acknowledging that you had the right to sit in the seat, right? You were claiming it. You were acknowledging it. You were calling it out. It was like this. You used to ride in the car, and we'd ride in the car, and we look over and we go, "Punch bug!" <laughs> Don't hit your sister. No, we were allowed to in that one, <laughs> but we had better call no no punchbacks or else we were going to get punched back. Right? We call it out. We claim it. We acknowledge it. My kids have started doing this funny thing. Many of you know that for a while, um, when we first came on staff here, we worked for UPS. My kids do this thing where every time there's a UPS driver, UPS driver, it's like, okay, great. Do you know them? I don't know. I They're across the, interst- the interstate. I can't even tell who it is. What are they doing? They're acknowledging. They're calling it out, right? And God says, in all thy ways. It, trust the Lord with all that heart and lean not on thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. What, what does that mean, Brother John? It means this. God, this bill, I don't know how I'm going to pay it. You know how I'm going to pay it. So you provide the way. It means that when we do know how to pay the bill, God, you've given the money to pay this bill. Thank you. Acknowledging him in all our ways. Why is it that when we need help, that's when we run to God? Because we don't know what to do. But when we don't need help, ah, I got this, God, I'm, I'm we're good. No. He's the one that's brought us to this point where we don't need his help. But may I remind you, we always need his help. But you know what I'm saying? The Lord's blessed us. We've had an extra paycheck come in. Now we, now we can pay the bills without having to worry or fret. or be, And so what do we do? I got this. Write the check yeah, here's my hard work, done. We don't ever acknowledge him and say, God, the reason I can pay this check is because of you. May I take you back a point, make an emphasis of doing what you know to be the will of God? Lord, thank you. And we wonder why it's so hard sometimes when the big bill comes up and we're trying to figure it out or we're trying to make a decision on well, do we buy this house or not buy this house? I don't know if we buy this house or not. And then we're like, well, I don't know. Well, maybe we should pray about it. Excuse me, somebody should have had a V8 this morning. and Slap yourself in the head. Yeah, no, duh, you should, have, you should have prayed about it. Why? Because we're to acknowledge God in everything we do. This is what we're supposed to do. I don't know what it is, and I, I mean, I do know what it is. Let me, let me rephrase this. I don't know exactly what God is trying to teach me this year, but this one statement has come up with the teenagers and in my preaching and in my teaching more than any other. And I'm sure it's because God is saying to me, you have yet to understand this. As much as I think I get it, this is the matter of living in the constant awareness of the presence of Jesus Christ. This is Christianity. When we can live in the constant awareness of the presence of Jesus Christ, then we're walking the Christian walk. Please don't miss this. No greater truth is being dealt with me at any point than this one truth. We are horrible, and and I'm speaking for myself, at living in the constant awareness of Jesus. So what do you mean by that? When I'm at home and I'm playing with my kids, am I constantly aware of Jesus Christ? When I'm driving down the road, am I constantly aware of Jesus Christ? When I'm reprimanding my kids, am I aware of Jesus Christ? When I'm thanking my wife, am I aware of Jesus Christ? When I'm sitting in the pew listening to the preacher preach, am I aware of Christ? You know, we've boiled the Christian life down to a few tasks. We've sub-part compartmentalized the Christian life into... Maybe a Sunday morning, maybe a Sunday night, maybe a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Maybe the occasional Bible study at home. Maybe we do devotions. But the rest of the 24 hours during the day, that's up to me. That's not acknowledging Christ in all our ways. It's time we get back to living what it means to be constantly aware of Jesus Christ. And then the third thing. Not only make what you know to be the will of God's a matter of emphasis. Not only acknowledging God in all your ways, but a third thing. And this one is difficult. Patiently continue in God's known will, expecting for his unseen will to be shown. Patiently continue in God's known will, expecting his unseen will to be shown. Can we just be honest, even the most patient person in this room has a hard time being patient on God. Sure, we can do God's will for a little while, but we get to the point where we expect God to start acting a little faster, don't we? We we even get to the point sometimes where it's like, well, I'm just going to quit doing what I've been doing because obviously God's not going to answer. We loud affect us. And God says so many times in the scriptures to patiently wait, to wait on the Lord. Psalm 27, 14, if you'll take your Bibles there with me. Psalm 24, 27, 14, I'd like for you to see this passage here. Psalm chapter 27, Psalm 27, verse 14, the Bible says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. If you're dealing with a matter of God's will in your life, and you're saying, I just don't know what it is. I'm I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to understand it. I need his will. I need to know what it is. Wait. We have taught a generation of young people who are now young adults, and even young married couples, what it means to be impatient. James 1, if you take your Bibles. Actually, let's go to Psalm 37 while we're here so that I don't make you turn all the way back. Psalm 37. Verse 34 says, Wait on the Lord and keep His way. There it is. Wait on the Lord and keep His way. What is His way? Well, it's His will, right? Wait on the Lord. Do His will that you know. Look what the Bible says. And he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. It's a principle. That when we wait on God and do the will that we know to do, he shows us forth the will that is yet unseen. We've made the will of God this big grand mystery, this treasure hunt, this national treasure expedition that young people have to be on. At least that's the way we've talked about it. Well, I'm just trying to find the will of God for my life. You ever heard anybody say that? I'm just trying to find the will of God for life. I think tonight we've, we've seen it. It's pretty clear what the will of God for our life is, right? Well, why haven't the young people seen it? Because they haven't seen us live it. They only see us go to God when there's a big question. A big, I don't know what we're gonna do. That next job, that that, that next house, that that next decision, the next car. Well, we'll pray about that and see if that's God's will. Well, why don't we make an emphasis on God's will of being thankful and being saved and all the little things along the way? It's because sometimes we don't necessarily have the faith that God is gonna show us his will. At least we don't believe it. James chapter number one. I promise you, I'm coming to a close. And I thank you for how well you've listened. It's easy to preach when people listen, I tell you that much. Sometimes a little too easy. James, chapter number one, verse number four says, But let patience have it her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, Isn't it interesting that God here makes a connection? We're ready to talk about verse number five, aren't we? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Well, what's the context of asking God? Waiting. They give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Verse number six, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, and tossed. For let not the man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Can I give you this illustration? That when we don't wait on the God, and we do his will for a little while, and we're like, okay, God, show it to me, show it to me, show it to me. Well, I don't, I'm, I'm waiting, Lord, I'm waiting, we start like sliding over here to try to take care of it ourselves and figure it out. Well, I, 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 well, I, Lord, if you don't show me if this is your will or not, then then the opportunity is going to pass itself. The opportunity is going to go, hmm, maybe that's God's will. Sometimes we get our minds so made up on something that's never God's will, and we act on it, and we go ahead and do it. And again. Then we try to justify it. Well, it all worked out, so it must have been the will of God. What? You mean you didn't know if it was God's will when you did it? Well, I mean, it all worked out, so it must have been the will of God, right? What a dangerous way to live. Patience is hard in God, patiently waiting on God, because it becomes a matter of faith. It's no different to say, okay, God, I'm going to wait on you to show me your will in this matter. It's no different to have the faith that he'll eventually show you in his timing than it is to say, God, I trust that one day when I die, you're going you're to take me home to heaven. None of us are there yet, right? But we all trust by faith that he's one day going to take us there. Well, why? Well, it's in the word of God. God also says that when we patiently wait, and we ask, and we unwavering, that in God's time, he will make it known. It's amazing to me that when I talk to these teenagers, they've got... They've got this whole thing figured out, or somewhere, that they've got to have it all figured out. That they've got to have all the answers. Well, but but what am I going to do, and how am I going to make money? Because we've heard too many Christians for far too long talk about the will of God being a job, an occupation, a career, a, a spouse, and yes, God's will for your life is who you're going to marry. That is a decision. Your job that you do is part of God's will. But that is not God's will in and of itself, just the one thing. It's just a part. Just a small brick in this beautiful building, if you will, that is God's will. If you could put it this way, it's one ingredient in the pie. But if you focus on only one ingredient, the pie ain't going to turn out. It won't. And if you don't follow the instructions and take it step by step, moment by moment, and do what you're supposed to, something's going to go wrong. The battle for knowing God's will isn't done in trying to find it like some hidden treasure lost for the ages. It's not some scavenger hunt that we're on. The battle for doing God's will is done right here. If I could remind you, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind that Ye may prove, told you we were coming back around, the true reason that we struggle so often with finding and doing God's will is because we've gotten past what it means to have a renewed mind and live a life towards God in every matter. When we as Christians can live lives that are towards God, where Christ is preeminent, that we make a matter of emphasis of His will and we acknowledge Him all the way and then we patiently wait on Him to do it, then we become Christians who live a life doing God's will. There are no shortcuts, but it's not a difficult matter. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.36, For ye have need of patience that After ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. In other words, we can just learn to wait. We can learn to acknowledge on God. And we can learn to do his will. That all the things that we're hoping will come to be will be sitting on the other side. I think you would agree with me as we come to an end. It's time for us to start making a different emphasis on the will of God. Not just for ourselves. Because there's 20 and 30, 40 and 50 young people sitting down in that gymnasium right now. Who have a lot of decisions when it comes to the will of God ahead of them. And their eyes are on us trying to figure out how it needs to be done. God has said, it's time that we be the examples and that we show them what it means to be Christians who make the will of God a priority.